Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. Our team was up all night covering the red wave that never happened. Now that we've gotten a little sleep, we're taking a second to debrief the results. Here to help me understand what it all means are Globe columnist Dan McGowan and Jim Hummel, the host of A Lively Experiment on Rhode Island PBS. We'll talk about the election results and an exciting new partnership after a quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Welcome back. I'm here with Globe columnist Dan McGowan and Jim Hummel, the host of A Lively Experiment on Rhode Island PBS. Glad to have you both here. Great to be with you. Hey, Ed. Before we dive into the election results, I want to share some good news. Jim is here thanks to a new collaboration between Rhode Island Report and Rhode Island PBS. You'll be hearing his voice and the voices of other folks from PBS from time to time on the show. Subscribe to Dan McGowan's newsletter roadmap for more details about our great new partnership. Yeah, let's see how long you can put up with me. Let's see how many shows. <laughs> You're fired. Right? Okay, this is it. I might peak on my first show. Well, I'm glad to be working with you, Jim. I know about Dan. So we wake up this morning in a state where Democrats swept the statewide offices, still dominate the General Assembly. And despite all the national attention, the second congressional district remains blue. Jim, what happened to the red wave we were hearing so much about? Well, I think we heard all the polls, Ed and Dan, you know, we, we had talked about this, but the fir- the last real polling was a month ago. And I think Magaziner did well in the debates from my perspective. The other thing is we had a lot of national media come in. The Times and the Post came in and they wrote this great storyline about, you know, as Rhode Island goes, maybe goes the country, you know, for the first and probably last time we'll ever hear that, that this may, flipping Rhode Island might be a by an indicator of what goes on across the country. Well, it happened in the wrong way, right? They didn't expect maybe Magaziner to come. They had the storyline written with Fung. And then we got home when we watched our TVs and saw that nationally Republicans didn't do as well as they thought they were going to. And it may have started here in the 2nd Congressional District. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, I think that's exactly right, that that 
it didn't quite work out the way that that you know that national wave you know that was expected to hit. The other thing to to really look at is when you talk about those polls. Ever since this summer, you know, Alan Fung has been around 45, 46, 47 percent. Alan Fung had a ceiling. I think we all thought there was a chance he had a ceiling, and the truth was that you know the undecided voters broke largely for Seth Magaziner, and that's where that's the outcome here. It's, Alan Fung is exactly who we thought he was. He couldn't get to a forty-nine or a fifty that he needed to win the race. Now, Bill Gilbert only came in at just under three percent. But right. who was he taking away from in your mind? Would those have gone to Fung mainly? You think? You know, the polling suggested that he was taking away from Magaziner, but uh, I, I think it was, uh, you know, I, I, I think it was probably the other way. I think that he probably took a little bit away, probably from both, but I think he took away from Alan Fung to some degree. You know, Dan, Fung ran as a likable guy, had all the ads about awful awfuls and clam cakes. Did, did people say we like him, but we don't want to send him to D.C.? Well, you know, the the easiest way to rewrite this is to say, yeah, you know, clearly Rhode Island remained very blue and they rejected the, you know, the Trump politics, uh, you know, nationally. Keep in mind, this is a the congressional district is one that Joe Biden wins by 13 points two years ago and Seth Magaziner only won by four points in this election. So Alan Fung did a pretty impressive job closing that gap, especially in Rhode Island, but it just wasn't enough. And yeah, I think there were a lot of voters who probably looked at this and said, yeah, nice guy, but uh, didn't quite ha- didn't quite trust him to go to Washington and vote with maybe their values. But I also wonder if he ran the nice ads, the Iggy's, the Twin Oaks, but it's the it's the outside money that came in that was absolutely nasty. Now he says I have no control over that whether he does or not. So, but the voters aren't looking at the little agate print at the bottom that says, oh, we have you know this is by the whoever's sponsoring it. So you wonder if they lumped that all in and they got tired of some of those ads. I know they were nasty on each side, but this whole Alan Fung, the nice guy, the commercials all didn't reflect that. Yeah, we had, uh, I reported a total of nearly $14 million spent on this race and 8.6 million, I think, came from outside. But what issues at the end of the day, what do you think carried the day in CD2? I think it was the same thing that Link Chafee ran into in 2006. Honestly, he had a sick. Now he didn't get. Uh, he didn't have the same. Um, Alan Funk didn't have the same approval rating that Chafee did. People just couldn't pull the lever for an R because you remember there was control of Congress back then too in the mid 2000s. And I really think people going there thought, "Do we really want to have the Republicans in control?" Yeah. So the the argument he might be a nice guy, but we don't need to send him down to D.C. That carried the day. Well, I I think so. What do you think, Dan? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, to some degree, again, I think Alan Fung performed pretty well in this election. It's a hard district. It's a blue district. That's just the way it works in Rhode Island. And so, uh, you know, Alan Fung did enough or, or a lot to cut into, you know, the 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 kind of the wave that Democrats would typically have. But yeah, I, I just don't think it was enough. I think Jim makes a really smart point here. The average voter does not know that, you know, the congressional leadership fund or, you know, Republicans for Alan Fung nationally, you know, paid for these ads. They don't see it. They just see negative advertising. I do think they didn't like it very much. And the other thing if you look at is the Democrats all campaigned together. You saw all those pictures, Greg Amore and Mm -hmm. James Deosa and right down the line, Peter Nerona. Alan Fung and Ashley Kalis weren't even together 
on election night. So I don't know whether, you know, Kalis will talk about it in a little bit. She got smoked. But you wonder if there had been a little bit more unity among the Republicans. And that's big when it comes to getting out the vote. So really, on election day, McKee had the had the backing of most of the unions and you saw him and Magaziner. So I think there was a little bit of a backsplash, maybe, you know, raising the tide for Seth Magaziner. Yeah, Dan, we had some high profile surrogates coming into Rhode Island. What happened to the Chris Christie bump? And and uh, you think... Uh, <laughs> You think uh, Jill Biden, uh, the first lady, made a difference coming in? I don't think Jill Biden mattered. I don't think Chris Christie mattered. I don't think Kevin McCarthy to any degree really mattered. What mattered here was you look at the mail ballots and the early voting. That's a sign of organization. The Democrats did a really good job, in part, as Jim said, because of organized labor and, and you know the public employee unions. They really stepped in here and – the new art of you know of politicking in Rhode Island is going to be for the next you know many election cycles is going to be how do you get as many mail ballots as many early votes as possible and you just look at the score Alan Fung won the day of election vote in that second district he just got crushed on the mail three to one on the mail ballots he got beat you know by eight ten thousand votes on the early voting he got dominated by the people who organize. And that's that's the outcome. I don't think it's any any surrogates or anything else. It's just organization. Jim Fung has now lost three major races in a row, the two governor's races and now CD2. Has he reached Mirth York territory? You hate to ask him the night he lost the race. Would he have won as governor this year? Would this – and I know he didn't want to run. He was thinking about other offices. He was thinking about right? treasurer. Right. Yeah, and then Langevin decides to leave. And, you know, of course, magazine moves over from the governor's race. Would this have been the year that people would have seen him as the governor? And I think it would have been a lot more civil race because he and McKee know each other. You can't control the outside money, but I think it would have been more issue oriented. To answer your question directly, I'm not sure that we're going to see Alan Fung run again. Yeah. What do you think's next for him, Dan? Yeah. I mean, I think he goes into the private sector. I think the question now is his wife, Representative Barbara Ann Fenton Fung. What does she do next? I think she's going to eventually look at Cranston mayor. Uh, I think she's got a bright future broadly if the Republicans can kind of get their act together, figure out how to organize and start to win early voting. Yeah. She won last night in her race. Uh, Dan, do you have a sense of where Magaziner uh, was strong last night on the electoral map? What towns? What cities? I mean – in some ways, across the board of the big turnout places. So did very well in Warwick, right? Both campaigns were saying, you know, we're we're excited by early, or, you know, by big turnout in Warwick. Clearly, the Democrats <laughs> benefited tremendously from that. Then you go look at Providence. It is so hard to be a Republican in this state and get beat, you know, on the statewide level, four and five to one in Providence. In this case, in it was less so for Alan Fung, but it, I, I think Seth Magaziner got 75% of the vote. Even in with Providence. that gerrymandering of the district. That's exactly 10 right. 10 years ago that they thought was going to come back to bite the Democrats and ultimately it didn't. That's right. And so when you dominate there, and then here's the other thing. South Kingstown goes very strong for uh, Seth Magaziner. East Greenwich goes pretty well. So places that Republicans in the not too distant past have actually performed relatively well in. Don Kachiri was very strong in some of those suburbs when, oh, have gone overwhelmingly blue. It's really hard. The, the map doesn't work because you even see in, in you know some of the coverage, you see what it looks like. All the, the western side of Rhode Island is so, so red. It's also very small. There aren't that many voters in those places other than Coventry. 
Jim, I know uh, voters said in all the polls that cost of living was the number one issue. Uh, but did Magaziner get at that uh, by talking about price gouging in the big oil companies? And how much of a factor do you think abortion rights was? Well, we found out nationally it was a lot bigger than we thought. I mean, everybody was saying inflation's up in the 30s and then abortion's at like 14%. If you looked and I went home and watched the coverage until I fell asleep, that I think in the exit polling nationally, we don't do as much. We used to do it here in, in Rhode Island, but it's very expensive. I think that I think inflation's there, but I think there's a concern about what I think there's a concern about the Supreme Court. I think especially in a blue state like Rhode Island, even though we've codified Roe v. Wade, I think they see other things happening with gun rights and LGBTQ rights and all of that. Is it a slippery slope? So who knows? Every voter goes into the voting booth. Some are one issue people. Some are multiple. I just think at the end of the day, I also think that Magazine, or I said at the outset, did I think he did really well in the debates. I think he, he punched above his weight and I think he stayed on message you know, just kept hammering away, do we want the Republicans controlling the House? Well, and here's the other, the one other piece that we didn't talk about, but I think is really important is that that argument that the Democrats have in a place like Rhode Island about Social Security, it matters. You go back to 2010 when David Cicilline and John Laughlin had a very close race in that first district. John Laughlin will tell you right now, the thing that killed me was Social Security. I called it a Ponzi scheme and I never corrected myself on it. Same situation here. Now, Alan Fung tried his best, you know, did the thing, thought it was a great stunt in the debate. You know, he, he spoke in a foreign language about how he was never going to cut his mom's Social Security. But the message resonates nationally and the facts were there that the Republicans have a, have a different view of Social Security than the Democrats. Well, and John Chafee always said you want to have somebody in the opposite party. Congress is going to swing. It's inevitable, but this is not John Chafee's Congress. And I think I think that what some of the Republicans are doing, they all get lumped together. You look at Kevin McCarthy, he is not the voice of moderation. So I think a lot of people looked at that and that sunk in that what's Alan Fung gonna do? He's number 435. When he gets there, he says, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be my own man. Well, you're gonna have to play their game in order to get what you want for your state. Now, let's talk about the governor's race. Ashley Kalis, the Republican, presented herself as a boxer, a fighter. But this was a knockout. McKee won with nearly 58 percent of the vote. Jim, why did she fare so poorly? I think, again, it's get out the vote. I think there was a big union backing with McKee. I also, Dan, she's got to wake up this morning and think, I just spent $5 million to get base. If you if you put your name and you're breathing on the ballot, you get 30 to 35 percent. So I'm looking forward to you, maybe not your slice of chocolate analysis, but how much per vote, death by chocolate. Yeah, if you can put um, this in a chocolate cake term, Stan. Yeah, oh, I mean, she, that's a lot of cake. That's a lot of cake. And the the challenge here for, for Ashley Kalis, yeah, you, you just hit it. Chris Young, who we all remember, his, his dad used to get 30 percent of the there vote. There was a guy named Santa Claus who ran against Patrick Kennedy and he got 36 percent of the vote. I wrote in Jim Hummel like six different times last night. So you're going to get some votes. It, yeah. The, to, to only get 39, even if she, you know, let's say if she closes the gap, maybe gets to somewhere at 40. This was an absolute blowout. I think it's that organization. You get beat by, she got beat by 21,000 votes in Providence last night. Go back. Don Kachiri was not losing by 21,000 votes in Providence, uh, you know, back in 2002 and 2006. So this was a dominant performance for uh, for Governor McKay. We've said it over and over. She's not Don Kachiri. She's not Link Amman. She's not Ed Dupree. 
she basic and I think a lot of people look she had a Republican base and you could hear it a lot all on talk radio a lot but I think at the end of the day people did why are you here and we talked about last night we were watching on the monitor is that the last we're ever going to see of Ashley Kalis you know she's not going to join the Charter Review Commission in Newport right no, I don't think she's running for city council there. I think she's, you know, she may be running somewhere else out of state in pretty in no time. Yeah, I mean, to that point, Dan, did the carpetbagger label stick? I think to some degree. I think the other factor is people didn't know she was, right? I think when you just introduce yourself to voters, you can spend millions of dollars on ads. It helps. It gets you, you know, it gets you to almost 40% of the vote. But what she thought she was very successful at was you know, being very critical of, of Dan McKee. He's a failure. He's incompetent. There's an FBI investigation, those kind of things. What she never quite did, though, was pivot to a message that resonated with any voters. I go back to our poll. Now, it was a month ago, and we had a 10-point lead. Obviously, Dan McKee surpassed that greatly, but the they were, you know, splitting the second district, but Dan McKee was up so big in the first district. Everybody said, oh, people in the first district, they have no reason to vote. Voters vote. But, but where did where did McKee do the best? Last I mean, year? everywhere. He, yeah. the Providence, again, you win, yeah. you win almost, you know, four to one. That's a dominant performance. That's way better than, than we've seen other prominent Democrats. Gina Raimondo, that's outperforms somebody like Gina Raimondo in the last couple of uh, election cycles when she was on the ballot. So he did really well there. He won the suburbs incredibly well. Uh, you know, you win the Blackstone Valley, you know, and then and you just run kind of down the middle with Warwick and Cranston. What did you think it was going to be when you woke up yesterday morning? And I was thinking 52, 48, maybe a six, seven point lead. I mean, we didn't think it was going to be 20 points, but no, what did you think? I thought it was going to be eight to 10. So I thought it was going to be high and and people were telling me I was crazy. And then it ends up being double that. So I, I thought it was going to be a, a blowout because I thought the organization would work. I didn't think she made, uh, Ashley Kalis made the most compelling case to be the governor. But this was, you got to give credit to Dan McKee. This was a really impressive performance for him. In the statewide races, a clean sweep for the Democrats in uh, the contest for treasurer, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general. Any surprises there, Jim? I don't think so. I thought that maybe James Lathrop had a chance. I also think Aaron Gukian, I mean, he we thought he was closing and we saw as the night went out, you, you know, it, it, uh, it the, the margin widened. Finally, Dan, how did marijuana do on election day? Well, generally speaking, it did very well, right? There's only five cities or towns that, that I think rejected it. I think you saw uh, Barrington shot it down, Smithfield, Situate, Jamestown, Little Compton. So, you know, a handful of places shot it down for retail sales, but overwhelmingly it, it passed. How much marijuana were the Republicans smoking last night after the results came in? I bet you they wish they had more. All right, Jim, great to have you on board. Thank you both uh, for joining us today. Can I come back? Absolutely. No. <laughs> Thanks. You're out of here. For more coverage of the election results, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. And if you like the podcast, do us a favor, follow the show, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week.
Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org slash passport. That's ripbs.org slash passport.